This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 67 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you through the generous sponsorship of our loyal partners, Equestrian Collections and Kentucky Performance Products. On the show this week, Terry Satterley, president of the Central Vermont Dressage Association and British-born U.S. WEG team member at Catherine Bates and Chandler, reflects on her journey so far. It is just amazing to me. I'm so excited and flattered that I made it this far, and honestly, it's been the support of all the people around me that have got me here, and I've had just amazing support. I'm really excited, and I want to do my best for my adopted country, which is really where I feel like I'm from at this point. This is Chris Stafford in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Heather Blitz in Folsom, Louisiana, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Heather. Welcome back. Well, thanks, Chris. It's been a little while since we've been here together on the show. I know. And you have been here uh, from your Facebook pages. You've been sizzling in Folsom, Louisiana this summer. Well, unfortunately, yes. And summer is just so not my favorite season of the year, but... Very happy that uh, the cool weather, I think, is on its way because we've been able to turn off, turn the fans off. We have big ceiling fans in our covered ring, and we've actually had a couple days not having to have those on. So I think fall is in the air, so I am happy as a clam. Well, good. Well, tell us about your horses. How, how, how's the summer been going with your training program with Paragon? Well, very steady, consistent progress. I'm really happy. It's been nice and kind of low-key, not a lot of stress. I don't have a show season or a show um, with him this summer. So I've just been able to train him, just be in my own head and in his head as much as I can. Um, the training has just been uh, just steady and a lot of progress and um, good quality time, getting us ready for the fall and for Devin this month. So... And the other horses, um, everybody's kind of coming along in a nice way. It's been a really nice summer of just um, good focused training and some good teaching here too. So tell us what you've got planned for this fall then. You mentioned Devon. Well, right, because I decided I wouldn't be able to um, go to the WEG for different reasons. Um, it was possible for me to... Uh, enter the small tour on Paragon at Devon. So I'm really excited about that. I love that show. It's just um, such a cozy place to be in that time of the year. And um, I love showing there and bringing Paragon out then for his um, second CDI is going to be just a whole lot of fun. Um, but the week and a half, there's a Danish warm blood inspection at um, one of the farms or Oak Hill Ranch, which is just near me here in Louisiana. And they've asked us to come over and do a, a demo um, with him during the inspection for the people who are coming to attend. So that's going to be fun, too, to just go and do a demo. And it's a good practice also to get out in front of people where you do want to do your best and, and you know, um, perform well without actual scores being written down. So might be a good little prelude to making our trip up to Pennsylvania, which is a 22- or 23-hour trip, by the way. Wow. Well, how does he travel? Does he mind these long journeys? Because, of course, you moved from Florida to Louisiana from your winter quarters, didn't you? So that's a long yeah, that trip. Be, yeah, we did luck out and have a real cloudy day for that trip. Um, that was only 12 hours. So, you know, as far as I know, he travels well. I just don't want to take that for granted then and, you know, miss some details. So I'm going to be real careful and cut up, uh, split up the trip and um, give him a lot of time to rest before we start training again. And I think um, he, he likes being in new places. He's always interested in a new place to work, and he has more enthusiasm where if he's in a new environment. So I think that that's going to be all good, and we'll just take a time, and we're going up to cooler climate, so I think he'll be okay. And so what classes will you be competing in there? We'll do the the small tour, which um, the pre-St. George is on Friday, the same day, I think, as the freestyle at the WEG. And um, then Saturday is the intermediate, and then the top 15 um, have to go on for the Sunday freestyle, intermediate freestyle. So hopefully we're in all three. Oh, fantastic. So you've been working on a new freestyle program for him then? That will be his debut. 
It will be his debut. It's lovely, lovely music. Um, I picked it out, and Marlene Whitaker has done all the editing and choreography for me, and I think she's done a, just an amazing job, and it's ready to go. So I'm super pleased with that, and it's always such a relief to get those, the, you know, the production and the you know, creativity and just all the work that it takes to get a freestyle together. It's so, such a relief when they're finished. Um, so I'm very relieved and very excited because I love it. I really love it. So I'm looking forward to... Um, debuting that i gotta i gotta qualify through the intermediary but um i'm i'm going in you know not i don't want to be overconfident but i think we'll i think we'll do an okay job terrific well i know paragon has such a following i'm sure his fans will be uh interesting to know how it goes and uh, maybe you'll post a video of all that yeah i'm planning on it so yeah look for my website after the after the show and hopefully a video gets up there soon after terrific great well as you said weg is what it's all about in this part of the world now you know for those teams that are um, in their final preparation and uh, we've of course uh, uh, caught up with some of those riders as you know uh, heather that uh, you know many of them of course we've had Catherine haddad a friend of yours here on the show a few times and uh, she was talking about uh, her preparation while she was at gladstone um, competing for selection and um, of course we've had uh, Tina Conyot and Todd Fletrich and uh, this week we are going to be talking to uh, Catherine Bates and Chandler and uh, and then next week um, we have uh, Stefan Peters on the show so we will um, uh, have the opportunity to talk to them all in their final preparation uh, but we begin this week with the news of the week and um, the Australian team of course was announced uh, that team comprises Hayley Beresford. Of course, she's been a guest here on the show. She's going to be riding Rolampaggio de Retiro, owned mm -hmm. by Eduardo Fisher and, and Hayley, and Lyndall Oakley and Potiphar, owned by Carol and Sandy Oakley, and Brett Parbury and Victory Salute, owned by Carolyn Lieutenant, and Rachel Sanner and J.B. Alabaster, owned by Beverly Edwards. And, uh, of course, you, you, you know some of those riders, Heather, from your time in Europe. Well, the only one on that team that I really, on a personal level, was Haley, and um, haven't seen her for a few years now. But because um, I've been here, but um, great girl, and I wish her all the luck. I'm really excited for her to be on the team. She really deserves a hard, hard worker and a great rider. Um, so the Swedish team um, is also, of course, um, chosen their riders, and their list is starting with Patrick Kittle riding Watermill Scandic. Um, it's a super nice stallion. Um, Tina Willemsen is going to be there with uh, Favorite. Um, Mina Telda is going to be there riding Lorena Home. And Charlotte Hayde Bondergaard is going to be there riding uh, Lydianus. Well, that's a, that's a good team for them. I mean, obviously, they'll be hoping to uh, get on the medal podium. Um, you know, those European teams, it's important for them, of course, as part of their qualification for the Olympics too, isn't it, Heather? Um, yes, that's really going to be a, a, you know, a, a big thing for the Olympic team as well. Terrific. Well, what, what, do you have any, any predictions here of how this uh, competition is going to unfold? You know, I think it's just so up in the air. I, I try to think about that often and, you know, how I would really place it if we could bet on this, <laughs> what I would bet on. And I, I just think it's so it's it's so um, different this year. There's so many new faces and new horses. And, um, you know, I also haven't been really near and, and close to them uh, being down here in Louisiana for a little while and out of competition scene. So I would have a hard time picking. I really would. There's great riders and horses on every team. And, um, of course, there's so much strength in Holland. Um, Germany's always going to be a major contender. And, you know, but, but I think it's just so open. Yeah, I think. And, you know, with world records being broken as well, you know, it's really raised the bar. And I think it, it's developed, obviously, a higher level of expectation from the audience, too. We're looking for more world records now. I think it spoiled us. Yeah, well, I think it's a very exciting year. I really am sorry I'm going to miss it, but hopefully I catch it all on video. But uh, Absolutely. Because it, because it can just be so, I think, grabbed in many different directions, I think that makes it so exciting. Well, I'm sure you're going to w watch it at some point, but I hope uh, you'll also tune into the Dressage Radio Show because we will be there covering it uh, every day during the competition too. 
So hopefully you won't miss too much. Uh, we'll get some expert commentary and uh, co- um, you know put it all in context for you. But uh, I know there's a lot of coverage on the internet too uh, from Universal Sports and NBC, of course, are are going to be providing over six hours of the games in total. So it's going to be quite uh, quite extensive coverage. Uh, one way or the other, so uh, it, it is going to be exciting, Heather and I. Uh, and I think, in terms of the teams, highly competitive uh, w- with the, such depth in the Dutch team, they have to start as favourites, don't they? Yeah, I, I suppose that's a, a really good guess. Yeah, that's a pretty safe guess, right? <laughs> that's a pretty safe one, yeah. Never know, never know. <laughs> well, you do, you never know. Um, well, since uh, the last uh, uh, last week's episode of of the show, we heard that Anki van Grunsven, while she, of course, did not make the dressage team, she has now been pr- um, promoted from the reserve list to the team for the reigning uh, squad there from, from the Netherlands. So she will be competing at the World Equestrian Games on the reigning team. So, Heather, that's raised the bar now. Uh, we're going to have to expect dressage riders to be multidisciplined now. Well, you know, I used to do barrel <laughs> racing and pole bending on that. Maybe I can just get back into that. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, we're going to take a short break here to um, catch up with Glenn, who has some news on of Kentucky Performance Products. And when we come back, we're going to hear from Terry Satterley, who's president of the Central Vermont Dressage Association. Hi everyone, Glenn the Geek here. Kentucky Performance Products has become a favorite of many listeners of the Horse Radio Network. They have a product that we want you to consider called Contribute. Take a listen to episode 14 of the Tack and Habit Radio Show, and you will hear a complete discussion on this product with Delia from Kentucky Performance Products. Contribute is the omega-3 fatty acid supplement that is so important to your horse's well-being. Contribute helps maintain soundness and longevity by protecting joints from damaging inflammation and sustains a strong immune response in horses of all ages. Learn all about omega-3 and 6 fatty acids and why they are so important by listening in at TackAndHabit.com, episode 14, or go to KPPUSA.com for more information. That's KPPUSA.com. Well, our thanks again to Kentucky Performance Products uh, supporting us here on the show. And our first guest this week, Heather, is uh, from a uh, U.S. Dressage Federation group membership organization, the Central Vermont Dressage Association. Uh, Terry is uh, president there of the CVDA, and she's going to tell us uh, what uh, the, that that association has been up to, what they what they have in terms of clinics and schooling days, and and uh, how the healthy that membership uh, is right now. So let's hear from Terry. Well, Terry, welcome to the Dressage Radio Show, and thanks for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. Well, as I explained, you are president of the uh, Central Vermont Dressage Association, which I believe is Region 8 of the uh, U.S. Dressage Federation's group membership organizations regions, isn't it? That is all correct, yes. And and when when did you get started? The organization? Yes, the organization is over 25 years old, but we, um, about six years ago, um, we formed into Central Vermont Dressage Association, Inc., where we um, became a Vermont nonprofit and also achieved our tax-exempt status with the IRS. So wow. we, we revamped and reformed the organization into um, a, a more professional, credible one. So quite a history there, now. And, and changing to a non-profit, has, uh, what sort of da- differences have you seen in the organization because of that change of status, Terry? Well, I, you know, a lot more accountability, um, especially with the tax-exempt status. Um, you know, we just run the organization with more of a business model than a club model, although it's still a small and, and very friendly um, club to members, um, the the officers um, definitely are are more tuned into the organization's accountability to other entities. Now, tell us a, a little bit about the membership. How many do you have, and and what's the range of that membership, sort of from juniors to uh, to uh, senior riders, Terry? Um, we definitely have more adult um, members, a lot of adult amateurs. We also have some 
um, very well-respected professionals in the organization, like Jane Savoy, Ruth Paulson, Deb Smith, Jane Hamlin, to name just a few. Um, and we have and encourage junior memberships. Um, and I would say probably about 10% of our membership are juniors. Um, and we do have one particular um, farm that really encourages, you know, juniors to join and does a wonderful job with with a lot of our junior members around the areas of sportsmanship and um, competition and, and encourages them to clinic. And we certainly, um, you know, very much support our juniors. And in what areas of central Vermont, what are the, are the locations that you have most of your uh, shows and clinics and that kind of thing, Terry? Well, our, our base has always been around the South Woodstock area, and that's primarily because there is an organization called the Green Mountain Horse Association, which is a venue facility and um, has an extensive trail network as well as a company ground and it's a lovely facility that people love to show at and they run a couple sanctioned shows in dressage um, every year so uh, our members really like to come to that facility for our schooling shows so we rent we tend to rent that facility um, primarily for our shows and then the clinics are scattered um, throughout the state and again more heavily focused in central Vermont although we are the only group member organization in Vermont so we are trying to branch out to the other corners of Vermont and make you know our events more accessible and and certainly are very open to looking at venues that aren't so central Vermont located for hosting clinics etc. Tell us about Tell us about those shows that you have. You mentioned schooling shows. You have clinics. Tell us a little bit about those, Terry. Well, the schooling shows we run um, tend to be three arenas. We always hire um, our judges that are at least an L graduate. And, um, you know, they're very professionally run little shows. And we have sponsors that... Um, uh, donate the high score awards for all our divisions. We have seven divisions. Um, and then um, there's a year-end award for the highest scores of two of the three shows. So um, that's something for our members to achieve. And and clinics, do you have various clinicians come uh, during the... I guess you can't have much outdoors once winter comes up in Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Um <laughs> Um, And winter comes early and leaves late here, so we have a short season and really try and pack as much as we can into it. Um, This year, um, we just had a clinic with Kathy Conley. It's a memorial clinic for one of our members who who passed away, um, where we try and bring a nationally known instructor to the area to work with primarily adult amateurs, and that was a a really... um, People felt really great about that clinic, and um, we've had that next year will be the 10th anniversary of of that clinic. Um, Last year, we ran the L Education Program. Um, We hosted it for USDF, and that ran through, um, I think it was November of 08 through um, September of 09, and that brought in a lot of education to the membership and we have some L graduates, new L graduates in our area because of it. So it was a really worthwhile program for us to do. And how many um, shows or clinics would you typically have then in the year uh, up there, Terry? Or does I that vary? Say we, we average um, three schooling shows and then um, three clinics and then we try and do a winter ed program of some sort for the membership. Okay. Now, uh, tell me about the scholarships. Don't you have some scholarships up there that uh, you promote? We we do have a scholarship program, um, which is um, for a member to engage in an uh, educational activity that they normally would not be able to. 
um, and um, there's basically there's an application process which involves you know your volunteer history, a very clear plan of, about what your goal is, and what the time frame for achieving it is, and um, some letters of recommendation about why you are a worthy applicant and. Um, we have a maximum amount of $1,500 that is given, and um, it's to a member that has to have been a member for at least three years. And um, over the years, we've given numerous scholarships for very a varied range of pursuits, such as um, you know the L education program um, to attend a certain clinic, um, for a member to go to a training program with their horse. Um, so um, we try and also encourage the person that receives the scholarship to give back in some way uh, to the organization about what they've learned and what what learning they can give others from what they've gained. Great. Right. Now, do you um, publish um, in, any sort of newsletters or publications like that for your members, or are you completely uh, online now like some GMOs? Well, our members have an option. Um, they have to pay a fee to receive their newsletter in the mail. It's called the Half Halt. And um, it's free if you receive it online. A lot of people um, download it and then just print it. And um, some folks who do not have high-speed Internet access, which Vermont does not always have, um, prefer to have it come in the mail, and so we just charge an additional fee to defray that cost. Oh, terrific. Well, uh, tell us about what you've got lined up for the rest of the year then up there in uh, central Vermont, Terry. Well, Saturday there's a schooling show, um, okay. and we've also been encouraging our riders to, um, we did a freestyle, a couple freestyle clinics throughout the year, and um, not this year, but throughout the years, and um, we've been encouraging our membership to play with freestyles, and we allow that at schooling shows, even at training level, so that folks can, you know, give it a, a try without qualifying scores, and there's a year-end award donated um, by Ruth Hogan Paulson, who has a um, freestyle composing business, so um, that's become really popular, and we've seen the number of freestyles at our shows and the quality of them increase, which has been really nice. Um, uh, so Saturday we have a show. We have another one in September. We have a Cavaletti clinic coming up in the fall. Um, so, you know, we're a, a busy, active organization. Absolutely. Well, that sounds fun. Now, how do people contact you, Terry? Uh, do they contact you directly as president, or, or is there a secretary that you, you want to... Uh, encourage them to connect with and, and tell us uh, about your website how do they find your website too the website is www.cvda.org and we just launched um, a new a new face for our website which we're really excited about so it's worth taking a look um, and we've gotten some great feedback um, on it as always websites are fluid and a work in progress so um, we're still working out a couple glitches but um, it's a lovely site and we're really happy with the quality and um, our secretary Wendy Hunter Higgins um, did all the design work and uh, launched it for us and we're very proud of it so I encourage people to take a look at it there and that will give you updated information about events etc um, and all our um, Board members, our officers and representatives are listed on the site, and we we are very open, all of us, to being contacted with questions about membership or events or just about the organization um, as a whole. So um, anyone with any questions, please don't hesitate to contact myself or any member of the board who could very, um, you know, give you information about whatever your questions are. Terrific, and I'm sure like any GMO, you're always open to new volunteers, too. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we have a strong force, um, but, you know, 
we also have an aging strong force, so we, we really um, encourage people to get involved and, and learn the volunteer jobs. And, you know, I've volunteered for many years, as has have many members of the organization. And, you know, I think it, it has built a real community. Um, there's a lot of benefits to people that do the volunteering as well. It's not just giving, it's getting back. And I think part of that is the sense of belonging and the really strong community within the organization. And, um, you know, I think our, our volunteers know that they're appreciated and not taken for granted because without them, none of this would exist. Absolutely. Without punch, there would be no show. Well, thank you so much, Terry, for sharing that with us. We will, of course, we will, of course, put a a link on our website to the Central Vermont Dressage Association, so you can find out more about that. Well, thank Thank you you. so much for joining us, and good luck with everything, Terry. Thank you. Well, uh, thanks again to Terry for joining us, and uh, I should remind you all that if you are involved in a group membership organisation and would like to tell us about your GMO. All you have to do is drop me a line, chris at horseradionetwork.com, and we'll be delighted to have you on the show. Well, we're going to take another break here to uh, catch up with uh, Glenna Gaines, and when we come back, we're going to hear from Catherine Bateson-Chandler. Equestrian Collections is a true innovator in the retail horse world, and they have done it again, this time with their new shipping program. It's called their Unlimited Shipping Program, and there are two options, and you can choose the one that's best for you. It's simple. Pay only $34.95 one time a year and get unlimited one-way shipping to you from Equestrian Collections. You heard right. Pay only $34.95 once a year for unlimited shipments. The second option is only $15 more. You pay only $49.95 for unlimited two-way shipping. That means even your returns will be covered. That's unlimited shipping both ways for as little as 15 cents a day. Think about it. Even if you ordered every day, you won't pay any more for those shipments. Now that's an innovative company at EquestrianCollections.com. Well, our thanks again to Equestrian Collections. And, uh, Heather, uh, we should point out, in the interest of full disclosure, they are also one of your sponsors, and you hosted a live chat with them not so long ago. Yeah, that was great fun. And we uh, had everyone go to their website and could join into our live chat. And um, I think we had quite a few um, participants uh, online, so many that we couldn't even get to all the questions, unfortunately. We set up for an hour, but um, it's great fun, and I, and I think that we're definitely going to do that again. Terrific. Good. Well, we'll look out for that. And uh, now we're going to uh, catch up with uh, Catherine Bateson-Chandler, who is actually a British-born, but she's been over here in the States for a number of years. She is, of course, a U.S. citizen. And she is making her team debut now at the World Equestrian Games. And we were delighted to have the opportunity to catch up with her. So let's share that conversation with you. Well, hi, Catherine. Welcome to the Dressage Radio Show. And thanks for joining us this week. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, it's great to have you on. I know this is your first time on the show, but what better excuse to have you on but to talk about your wig preparation and you know, this is this is the big time for you, isn't it? Making it onto the team. First of all, big congratulations. Thank you so much. We're really, really excited. Yeah, well, this has been quite the journey for you. I, I know you have a reputation for being a really hard worker, and you really did work your way up through the sport, didn't, didn't you? Let's, uh, let's tell our listeners a little bit about how, it, how your career began. Uh, my career began uh, grooming and taking care of horses. Actually, it began mucking stalls, um, as many people began. And uh, then I was a groom for 16 years for Robert Dover, internationally grooming and being eventually working my way to being assistant trainer. And then when he retired, I was uh, exceptionally lucky enough to uh, gain his sponsorship from Jane Clark, uh, who is an incredible lady sponsoring uh, three different events that are going to WEG. And um, that's sort of how it came about. Well, that's a terrific foundation to a dressage career. I'm, I'm envied by many people, I'm, I'm sure. But I want to take you back a little bit, um, Catherine, to, uh, for the benefit of our listeners who, who don't know, because they wouldn't really tell by your accent, but you're actually made in England, aren't you? I am. I was uh, <laughs> born in England. I grew up there till I was, uh, I think I was 12 or 13 when I moved here. 
And um, most of my family still lives in England. Um, they're very supportive from afar. <laughs> well, you're, you're well and truly ensconced here in the American way of life and, and obviously have the citizenship to be representing the, U, the U.S. So tell us a little bit about this year so far for you. We know you bought your pony, or Jane Clark very obviously generously yeah. bought your pony from you uh, for you. Uh, from uh, Jeanette Tazen from from the Netherlands. Yep. So tell tell us a, a little bit about how, how that all came about, Catherine. Uh, it was a bit of a whirlwind. Um, we have well, I have two uh, younger horses that are did very well last year in the small tour. Uh, the one was champion Daya too, who's also owned by Jane. Uh, she was champion, and the other horse was third in the small tour. And I brought them along to Grand Prix now. Um, but they were green Grand Prix horses that just need time, and they're both very sensitive. So we were sort of keeping our eye out. I knew Jane's dream was to have all three of her disciplines that she supports in WEG. Um, so I just kept keeping an eye out, um, maybe for a possibility of a WEG horse. And this horse came along uh, through a friend, uh, Diederik Wigmans, in Holland, and he said, you know, I think it would be a great horse for you. So I flew over. I knew everything was going to be on really short notice. So I thought, you know, if if this is going to be the one, it's going to have to be really rideable, really beautifully ridden. And uh, it was. I tried the horse, and I called Jane, and I said, if any horse we can do it on, this will be the one. So that was the beginning of May. Um, and so we did buy the horse. And the middle of May, I uprooted myself, threw my boots in a bag and my saddle, and moved over to Belgium to ride with Jeanette because I thought she would know the horse the best. And um, they were wonderfully open arms. They welcomed me, uh, her and her husband, Chris. And uh, it was a bit of a whirlwind from there. <laughs> well, it certainly is. And talk about getting a catch ride just a few months before a major championship like this. And as you said, you identified him as a horse that could potentially get you onto the team. But how did you feel about your partnership as you were getting to know him? What kind of a horse was he to ride? Uh, he's a beautifully trained horse. Uh, Jeanette trained him from a, a young horse uh, to where he is now, and she's a tiny lady. She's about five foot two. Um, so I knew that that would be about our only sort of challenge uh, riding-wise. She rides very classically, similar to how, how I was trained uh, by Robert. So that was it was actually easy in that respect. All the movements were very easy. It was just... Um, it's funny because I've had to, I like having a real close partnership with my horses, so I want to develop that as quickly as I could. So I went over there, I took care of him myself, groomed him myself, because um, I knew that would be the best way to get to know him. Because it's not just the riding part, it's the whole thing, the personality. So I think we clicked pretty early, thank goodness. And with Jeanette's help as translator, um, he slowly became more and more my horse. And um, thank goodness he's a very seasoned competition horse. Uh, so I knew that wouldn't be an issue. Um, he's been everywhere. He's seen everything and had all good experiences. So we just went at it, and right away we started taking him places, me riding him places, and right away I had to do a national show to show competence to show in the CDIs in Europe. Uh, we did well. We got a, almost a 70% there with very good feedback from the Dutch judges. There were a couple of really good judges there. And so we went on from there. So he's, what, a 15-year-old uh, Dutch warm-blood gelding. Now, how big is he, uh, Catherine, and he, how big are you? He, he is uh, a meter 83, which is 18 hands, and I am 5 foot 8. Um, but he's a very elegant horse, I think. And um, right away I got on him. He didn't ride like a big, heavy horse. I've had bigger, heavier horses in the past and thought, oh, I'll never do this again. They're too big. Uh, but this horse really rides like a like a small horse, you know, I mean, he's got big paces, but he really is handy and athletic and elastic and um, a beautiful horse to ride. And what, so what was it that really attracted you to him then in those early days? And what sort of personality does he have that would appeal to you? Um, he has a very self-secure personality. He knows who he is. He knows he's a great horse. And I've been lucky enough through grooming and riding to be around some very famous great horses and really have gotten to know those horses closely, uh, both horses that Robert rode and ones that we had in the stable. Um, and he had that same factor. They just know that they're great. They have this self-assurance. 
Um, and he had that, and I knew that right away. As soon as I got on him, I felt at home on him. I mean, there were, you know, little things here and there. I, I like to ride a horse in a certain way, and, and Jeanette likes to ride in a certain way, and we sort of had to meet in the middle in some places. But in general, um, he was so nicely trained by her that it was very easy um, to be able to really do all the movements quite well right away. And what kind of horse is he in the barn? What do you call him? Um, they didn't so much have a, a stable name for him. Um, it's, I, I like to call him Mumpy, which I know is like a little bit of a silly name. I always get these silly, like my one horse is called Moo because he moves like a cow and he just it sort of fit him just the way he is. So that's just my own personal and, and Carl's personal name for him. Um, but really didn't really have a stable name, but it's just sort of the way you, you call them. They get to know your voice. Uh, and you have silly little nicknames for them. So that's my little silly nickname for him. <laughs> and what's he like in the barn? He's very sweet. He's he's funny because in, in Europe, they uh, they like to keep their horses sort of in the more closed-door kind of stables. And we like to keep our horses here in America, but differently. We have, um, you know, we have a window open and a door open on the back, and he's allowed to stick his head out on either side. Um, and we have big, huge stables, and we spend pretty much all day with our horses, which is, for me, that's the, the biggest part of the whole thing. The riding is sort of 50%, and the rest of it is is just spending time with them. So we sit pretty much all day now because I had to leave my other competition horses in Florida. So we spend all day from 6.30 in the morning till 5 o'clock at night uh, pretty much with him. So he's... You see his personality coming out more and more just because we have the luxury right now of just spending a lot of time with him. So he's very sweet, very sociable, likes to stick his head out, and he loves now that he can stick his head out on both sides and look outside. We take him out for grass, so he gets a lot of attention right now. He's a bit spoiled, but that's why I like my horses. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So you could say you've really bonded with him now. Yeah, I would say. You know, I mean, I, I think every day has counted with us. Uh, because we've had such a short amount of time. Um, but I, I would say now he knows who I am. He calls for us in the barn when he sees us, and I always really like that. I mean, and my horses are like they're pets. They're like dogs, and that's how I like it. So uh, he, he's now sort of warming up to that whole idea. <laughs> now, what, does he change much when he goes to a competition, Catherine? Does he feel the occasion, or is he just so self assured that he takes it in his stride i would say he is pretty much the same at home as he is at the competitions which is nice because you can really rely on that he's a showman i mean you can feel when you go up to the ring and you take him around the outside of the ring you can feel him pump up and want everybody to look at him but the really beautiful thing about him is in the arena he's very very similar to how he is outside of the arena so that's a nice thing to be able to rely on. I've had plenty of horses in the past that weren't that way, you know, would either get uh, too excited or too lazy in the arena. So it's nice to have one that is just uh, pretty much the same. So tell us about your, your groom. I know y your groom is pretty special too, isn't he? Yes, he is. My groom is my husband. Um I was actually always a person when I groomed and uh, worked for Robert for all those years. I All I had was my horses, and I wasn't even ever thinking that I would ever get married. I hate to say it. And then I met Carl, and I he fit right in with my lifestyle. He didn't groom when I first met him. He was doing polo. Um, but then he sort of warmed up to the idea of grooming, and now he's, he's a real perfectionist like I am. Um so, yes, now he's grooming for me, so it's fabulous. We get to travel around, us and our dogs, um, everywhere together, and it's really nice. Well, I, must, I can imagine, you know, having groomed myself, and that's how I made my way through my career to, to riding, uh, like you, Catherine, I know how particular you would be. And so that does that to translate to, to Carl? Does, is he as picky as you can be? And and as thorough. I know once you do your own horses, it's very hard to have somebody else doing them. I think it's actually hard because he is as picky, if not more picky, than <laughs> I ever was. But I'm still picky myself. So I say things and he says, I know I've already done it. Or, But it's, it's difficult because for doing it for all those years, 
I'm so used to doing it myself and so used to going over everything twice and, and the packing thing. So it's, it, that's about the only thing that once in a while causes a little friction because we both want to control the situation. <laughs> and I want to be as involved as he is. It was very difficult for me giving up the grooming because that was, it was, I had to be basically pushed out of the grooming. Um, and I still like to do a lot of it myself. I still like to tack them up and take them out for grass and all that. And so we've, we've reached a happy medium with all of that. He still lets me do a lot of that, which is very nice of him. But um, he is uh, very, very particular and and very picky about how the horses look and how they uh, how they're treated and how they're groomed and all of that. So so no, it's great that way. I, I never have to worry. I do, but I never have to worry. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> you would consider yourself a well-adjusted rider now. You allow him to clean off your boots when you get on, and and just those polishing and final touches. You once you get in the saddle. Yes, I do. I mean, I always, you know, I mean, I polish my own boots beforehand, but I let them wipe, let, let him wipe them off before I go right, in the ring. Right. Um, and I still braid my own horses. I've always done that, and I think I always will do that. Um, but he refuses to braid anyway, so that's fine. <laughs> um, he thinks it's a very unmanly thing to do, I think. <laughs> but uh, but I've always I've always done that, and it actually sort of calms me down, and, and I just love the horse's braids to look a certain way, so I always do that myself. And, um, and yeah, we sort of share the, re- we share the responsibilities. <laughs> well, I would say, um, because, you know, when, once, you, once you get to a competition, if you can be hands-on it does help you with with nerves and to keep you keep you focused and how do you adjust to that this sort of situation of being and the pressure of being a, a team member now Catherine and you know heading to a major championship like this do, do you do you get uh, flustered with nerves um you know I I have to say that I really don't I was surprised actually because I thought I would um, but I think, honestly, because I've been exposed so much to it, and I've seen, I mean, I've been to three Olympics, I've been to three World Championships, I've been to a couple of World Cups, and I've sort of seen the whole thing and been around that whole scene so much that um, I think it actually is a comfort that I know what's coming. I've, I've been with those people. I've seen how different people handle themselves. And I think uh, uh, the biggest thing to combat nerves is to feel confident in your preparation for a horse show. And I've tried always from being around those kind of great people, Stefan and Gunter and Robert and Debbie and so many amazing riders, really being close to those people and considering them my friends, um, that I've seen how they prepared. And I've, I've always tried to be really prepared for all these things. So even though this particular situation uh, everything had to come really quickly. I still tried to make sure that I was really mentally, physically, and training-wise prepared. So I think that takes away a lot of your nerves. Um, so actually, I, I mean, I think some nerves are good. I think you need to have some nerves. If you don't have any nerves, then you don't care enough. Um, but I don't think that I have nerves that hinder me, which is a nice thing. I wasn't sure if I did or didn't, but being in the situation... Um, I, I think actually mentally I ha- handled it better than even I thought I would. So you managed to keep those butterflies flying in formation? Yes, and I'm very lucky to have an incredible owner from Jane who is 200% supportive of me. Even when I wasn't necessarily supportive of myself, she believed in me. Um, because I was a pretty inexperienced person for her to put all this faith in. You know, I mean, she's... She's been incredible that way. I, I can't say enough good things. And at the horse shows, she's amazing. She shows up. She's confident for you. She's there for you. She leaves when she needs to leave, and then she shows back up when she's supposed to show up. And uh, and that is honestly the the biggest support. And I have an amazing way. I just have an incredible support group from vets and farriers and obviously my groom and my parents. Um, everybody's been amazingly supportive. And I'm lucky because I really sort of was brought up in this community from grooming from when I was 16 years old. So all these people are my family. You know, I was with all these people in Florida um, for so many years, and they brought me up. So I've had amazing support. Well, tell us about your family. Will they be coming to WEG to cheer you on, Catherine? Yes, they are. My mother flew in from Scotland for the last week of Gladstone, which was incredible because she didn't really have the money to do it, but she just scraped together and put it on credit cards and, and came. 
and she's going to fly back for WED, uh, which will be amazing. And my dad is also uh, flying from New Jersey to um, Kentucky for WED, so that'll be really nice. And I have all of my friends from Florida that are coming, uh, which I, I can't believe that everybody's actually coming. It's amazing. And that, well, we're lucky that we have WED in Kentucky so that it's not so far for people to have to travel for this. And, um, yeah, I'm really, really lucky. Absolutely. Well, what what a team you're going to have behind you. So we won't be won't be able to miss that once the dressage starts. We'll be able to look up in the stands and know who's supporting <laughs> Catherine Bateson. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> That's fantastic. Now I have to ask you. Um, although you you're you're very well seasoned in the sport and in the community, do you get uh, superstitious in any way? Is there anything you need to do to prepare in a certain way just before your competition? It's funny you say that because I'm actually I got with competing i started to get a bit out of control because everybody gives you lucky things and uh and then you start to have normal lucky britches and your lucky socks and then well those socks didn't work so i throw those out and get another pair of lucky socks and <laughs> actually i got myself a bit too into that <laughs> you're the first person i've told this to so i decided for this past competition i have certain things you know a certain thing on my coat and stuff that were lucky um but I decided that I was not going to rely on that anymore. Like I would get, so I used a certain bathroom stall and that worked. Well, this one didn't work. And you start to get yourself in a, well, I started to get myself in a bit of a twist about it. So for Gladstone, I threw all of that to the wind. And I said, I will <laughs> go in whatever toilet stall is open. I won't have a lucky one. I will take whatever socks are on top and whatever britches are on top. And, um, and it worked for me. So I'm very happy about that. I seem to be overcoming my superstition. <laughs> Well, the lucky omens are certainly on your side now, aren't they? That's <laughs> I fun- hope so. That's fantastic. Well, what a journey, Catherine. So, obviously, we're just uh, what, two, three weeks out from uh, WEG. What next for you? I know he, um, Norton, Norton had, a, had a bit of a break after Gladstone, and uh, uh, you obviously get, you know, need to get him back, back in the tack now because uh, you'll be heading to Gladstone in a few days. So tell us a little bit about what the rest of this journey looks like to Kentucky. We are going to go, we're, we're lucky we have a very short journey uh, back to Gladstone, so we have an hour and a half trip from uh, New York to Gladstone. Uh, we're going to go on September 1st to Gladstone, and um, Todd Fletcher and I have the same freestyle lady, so she's going to come uh, beginning of the week uh, and help us with our freestyles a bit and get those sorted out. And then we're going to be from September 4th on, all of us are going to be there. We are required to be there, and we're going to be working uh, i think a lot with stefan's going to be helping us a lot as well we're going to do some uh show preparations videos we're going to have some judges come and watch us and score us i'm really excited about that time i love training i love lessons and um and our group of uh team members are actually all good friends of mine i don't know Catherine as well because she's been in europe a lot um, but everybody else has been actually really good friends of mine for years and years, and, and Todd and I are very close. Um, so it's going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. How does it feel to actually officially be now named as a team member? I mean, this must be a dream come true, an ambition fulfilled that you're actually a U.S. team member. It is. Uh, uh, I hate to say it's unbelievable because that sounds like I don't have much self-confidence. Um, but it, it is just amazing to me. I mean, I'm so excited and flattered that I, that I made it this far. And honestly, it's been the support of all the, the people around me, um, that have got me here. I mean, I've had just amazing support. So I'm, I'm really excited and I want to do my best for my adopted country, which is really, really where I feel like I'm from at this point. Well, that's fantastic. Well, we want to wish you the very best of luck. Catherine on your journey to the rest of your journey to Kentucky and we look forward to catching up with you when you get here and we we will of course be broadcasting live on stage uh, at the Alltech Pavilion here in the Horse Park during WEG so will you come back on the show with us? Of course, I'd love to if I'm invited back. <laughs> Absolutely, you bet you will. And I know you, I know you had told me earlier that uh, a good friend of yours is Carl Hester, who's on the British team, and he will be here. Yeah, yes, I'm so thrilled. He was one of the first person I called when I found out I made the team because we're very good friends. I've trained a lot with him, um, and so I'm so excited to be there with him as well. It's We have actually a, I've got lots of friends that are going to be fellow team members on different teams, um, so I'm excited. 
Well, terrific. Well, we must uh, get, try and get you and, and Carl on together, or certainly some of you, your other teammates as well. We'll get you uh, to come along to the show. We'd love to meet you, and we want to wish you the very best of luck, Catherine, on the rest of this journey. We're really excited about you being part of the team, and it's been a joy talking to you. I look forward to actually meeting you. Fantastic. Thank you so, so much. You're welcome. Well, uh, thanks again to Catherine. You know, I really enjoyed that conversation, Heather. I had not spoken to Catherine before, and she was a lot of fun. Well, that's great. She is such a such a wonderfully nice person, such a hard worker. She has definitely paid her dues, and it's just so great to see her have, having made the team this year. Very, very, very proud and happy for her. Well, as we heard, of course, she came up the hard way. She worked her way up from being a groom. She served her apprenticeship, as they say. Yeah, she really, she paid her dues. <laughs> she she definitely did. Well, we want to wish her again all the very best of luck, and uh, hopefully we will catch up with her when she gets to the horse park in just a few weeks. Well, Heather, um, you've been gone a little while. I know the last time you were on the show, you had some really valuable tips, and we got some great response to those tips. And this week, you've got something completely different. And I know you always see the big picture and uh, what people are aiming for. And I like this idea of of keeping people focused. And uh, I think so you're going to give us a tip on the dangers of end gaining. Right. Um, End gaining is a term that describes in pretty much any sport athletes who think of what their goal is and they try to jump to it too quickly or they think of the goal um, so much that they actually use the goal or the end result, the, the, the thing they're after, as they use it almost as a tool to actually get to it itself. Um, and, it, and it's pretty common that a lot of riders get not just in a hurry. Um, part of it is riders that get in a hurry, but not always. Um, I think it's also just sort of misunderstood that um, the goal really shouldn't be the tool that you use to get to the goal. So, for instance, in dressage, if you think of riders that are, um, you know, maybe into the sport for a few years and they're still really, you know, struggling to find out what it's all about and how to get that elusive top line that's just so round and beautiful and supple and they're sitting on a horse maybe that is a little flat and the back is down and right behind them and they think they really want to make their horse look like you know, what they see as their goal, they might try to, you know, in a, maybe in a manual way, just get the horse in that position and then just spend hours and hours with the horse like that. But um, in reality, there are lots of exercises and transitions and educating the horse to be sensitive to the aids and understand reward and punishment, things like that, and getting them in balance. That are the things that really would be more the tools to get to that end result. So that's just, you know, one example. Um, another really common example is riders that really wanted to learn how to do a flying change or really teach their horse to do a flying change. So they end up doing a lot of flying changes, um, before the horse knows more about their balance, their reactivity, the, the, you know, listening to sensitive aids and, you know, piecing it apart and using transitions and, and more specific tools that build you up to the point where the change happens. So um, it's a it's a pretty common misconception, at least what I see when I go to clinics and my students here at home, and that it can happen to any of us that we think about what we want to happen, and we can sometimes, you know, just try to jump to it a little too soon, which is um, is again termed end gaining, and there's a lot of danger in in that, and you can it can cause problems and actually slow progress. So that was my tip for this week. That's great. It's all about staying in the moment, isn't it? Yeah, staying in the moment and really think about what it is that you're doing and and where it's going to get you and you know what a what's your horse learning from what you're doing in every moment. And also that it reinforces and the 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 journey too and the tools that you the steps that you take to get to that and not as you say jump to the finishing line uh, in too much of a hurry. It's it's like the journey, you know. It's it's not the arriving; it's the journey, isn't it? Oh, of course it is. Yeah. I mean, there are head horses in my career that actually can, you know, really get everything going well and they're doing, you know, their best and sort of at, at the, you know, their potential kind of limit, you could say, but things are going well. And when you get to that point, I've had some horses that, 
like kind of lose interest because they're already they they know it all already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know the journey um, for me is it really is the thing that makes me want to get back up there and you know teach them some more and get further along down the road that they're de- going down. So once they get to the place you're going, then that's nice too. But I think the journey is really what's the most interesting. Absolutely. Well, thank you for that, Heather. Well, we have one message um, that uh, Kay wrote on our Facebook page. It was for you, Heather. And she says she loves your concept of looking over the horse's ears and imagining a bubble over his head. She said she tried it and immediately she could fe- she she could read her mare's thoughts. She said it improved the feel and helped her avoid uh, dropping her head and looking down, which has been a co- constant problem for her. She thought that was a brilliant tip bit, and she's, she wants to thank you for sharing that one and for your contributions to the show. Well, you're very welcome, Kay. And um, yeah, for those of you who don't know the rest of that story, the bubble over the horse's head, and that might sound funny, but if you imagine it as in uh, like a comic book character, and they have that bubble over their head, and there are words in it, and that's what the, the character is saying, that I try to suggest... Um, to my riders that they imagine that and they have to read their horse's mind. Like what is the horse? What's the communication coming back to you from the horse? And I think that's just a good way, a good place to put your eyes. Um, I mean, at least um, think when you, when you have your vision that way, then your peripheral vision around the sides, left and right and up and down can be very soft um, and you're not staring at a particular thing. And you can also just look right for that bubble. And it sounds funny, but you can start, to read that a lot better than if you're you know have a hard focus somewhere else so um yeah that works for a lot of people i think that's a pretty effective one i can imagine that might be effective for us with people too i don't know if i can go that far (laughs) (laughs) i can read horses but people i don't know All right, Heather. Well, thank you so much for that. And I also want to remind everybody about our coverage during the World Equestrian Games. We will be recording the show live to a live audience at the Old Tech Pavilion, which is in the main parking lot at the west end of the main parking lot where the vendors will be and the Old Tech experience will be. So come along to the Old Tech Pavilion during the games and we will be recording those shows. We'll have some great guests, some riders and expert commentary. And it'll be an awful lot of fun. So I hope if you're visiting us at the World Equestrian Games, you'll stop by and say hello to us. And I should point out that those recording days will be um, on the day of competition except for one. And that uh, they begin, of course, on the 27th of September with the first day of the Grand Prix. And we will be recording between 6 and 7 p.m. And the same for the next day, the second day of uh, Grand Prix will be uh, between 6 and 7 p.m. We will be recording. And then on the 29th of September, the Grand Prix special, we will be recording between 5.30 and 6.30 p.m. And then, of course, the freestyle is on October the 1st, but because that's an evening competition and it will finish quite late, we will be recording the show the very following morning, October the 2nd, at uh, 7.30 in the morning. So between 7.30 and 8.30, if you're in the horse park for breakfast, come along and uh, join us on stage there at the Altec Pavilion. It's going to be a really busy time, Heather, and that, as you said earlier, that clashes with the dressage at Devon, um, but you'll probably get a feed from the horse park somehow to keep everybody informed of what's happening with our team during the games too. Well, I hope so. I hope so. so I'm too. really sad to miss that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame that it, it clashes, um, but, the, you know, that's that you know you, we can't accommodate everybody can we and uh you know i'm sure there's a lot of people that wanted to be at weg that have to be at devon and and vice versa and uh, i should also point out heather you know my, our friend here on the dressage radio show one of my co-hosts mary lauritsen she's going to be competing at dressage of devon and uh, when we had her on the show she mentioned how much she was looking forward to uh, meeting you too so uh, yeah, hopefully both of you will get the opportunity to say hello uh, both co Hosts here on the Dressage Radio Show. Um, check out uh, check out each other when you get to Devon. Be <laughs> fun to meet her. Yeah, she's a great girl, Mary. Uh, very popular here on the show. Um, so we look forward to hearing how you guys get get a go, and uh, hopefully you'll come back on the show 
after that, Heather. Uh, we're winding up now to the World of Question Games, and that's going to be our focus. As I mentioned, next week we'll be joined by Stefan Peters, who will be the last of the U.S. team to uh, have joined us here on the show in the lead-up to the Games to profile their preparation for the World of Question Games. So stay tuned for, for that next week, our conversation with Stefan Peters. And then, of course, we will miss a week before the World of Question Games starts because we have four daily shows during WEG. I won't be recording the show the week before. So uh, you'll have to uh, save up your podcast minutes and uh, join us uh, for the games um, and the daily shows that we'll be recording then. Well, that about wraps it up, Heather. Um, what next for you? Uh, still much more preparation, of course, for, for Devon. And uh, you mentioned your exhibition coming up here shortly. And that's going to be s- s- close by in Folsom. Where, where can we find out more about that? Well, I will be posting anything that I can on my website, heatherblitz.info, um, probably on my Facebook uh, fan pages, one Paragon's fan page. Oh, of course, Paragon's fan page. He's he's an active uh, uh, act. He's very active on on Facebook, isn't he? He is. He's quite the ham, and he likes to get his fan base really high. So you know, <laughs> you to, uh, join in on his fan page. He would be glad to have you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll put links, uh, of course, on our show notes at dressageradio.com, so you can follow Heather, and you can also follow her on Twitter. And Heather Blitz, and you can follow me, Chris E. Stafford, and of course, Horse Radio. You can also pick up our fan page on Facebook as well as Heather's and Paragon's. And you can also contact me, Chris at horseradionetwork.com, one word, Chris at horseradionetwork.com, or if you prefer, leave me a voicemail, 270-803-0025. Always love to hear from you with your questions and comments, and we will, of course, pass any questions you have for Heather along, any training tips that you uh, you want to hear from Heather, just send those over to me, chris at horseradionetwork.com, and I'll make sure Heather gets them. Well, I want to thank our sponsors again, Equestrian Collections and Kentucky Performance Products and our backstage crew. Don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network. We now have eight shows, so there's something for everyone. And if you're coming to Lexington for the World Equestrian Games, you can also follow the 2010 radio show. They're going to be recording daily shows from the International Equestrian Festival. So that'll be Glenn the Geek and Samantha. Uh, recording to a live audience in uh, downtown Lexington at the uh, Glen- the, the Rupp Arena, the Lexington Convention Center, every evening during the World Equestrian Games. That's at the International Equestrian Festival. So go along and say hello to Glenn and Samantha. Well, that about wraps it up, Heather. I want to thank you very much for joining us again this week. I hope you'll come back in a few weeks' time. Well, if you'll have me, I'll be here. You bet we will. Thanks again so much. Uh, of course, I will be back same play, same time, same place next week. So until then, thanks for listening. And uh, don't forget to practice safe riding by wearing helmets. 